Why don't we stand to our feet this morning and as you give there. One of the things that we enjoy doing that unites us as a body, that connects our lives together, is to speak these words that we believe, that we stand on, that they're foundations of our faith. So let's um, speak these this morning. We believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, where he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I'm going to ask um, a mother to come that is, as I have observed her over 34 years of marriage and 28 years of motherhood, to be one of the most amazing mothers I've ever encountered. Um, the way that she has loved our children and, and guided their lives shows me a lot about God. And so I'm going to ask my wife Janice to come, and, and uh, you're going to get a treat this morning. She's going to speak to us. Do your thing. We love you. I was talking to Susan Harwell earlier, and we were like, you know, there's something just wrong about us having to work on Mother's Day. Um, seems like we shouldn't have to be doing this, but I don't want to bring it up because then the guys are going to say, well, Father's Day's coming, and there's going to be something wrong about us working on Father's Day, so you guys have to do uh, Father's Day. So I'm just going to skip it, but um, next year I'll be on the beach, okay? Just, just letting you know. My favorite thing in life, my most cherished role, is being a mother. I value my kids and my role in their life more than anything else I possibly do. But there's been a lot of interesting things that I've learned over the years. One of the, um, probably the most fascinating thing that I've discovered over the years, I shared a little bit at the tea, is the things that I've said as a mother that I never thought I would say. My favorite thing I ever said was, um, honey, don't put a fork in your nose. It doesn't matter that there's corn in there. We still never put a fork in our nose. Or, oh, honey, don't let your brother suck on your toes. We just, we just don't do that. That's not what we do. And I never thought I would, once I had teenagers, I, I would walk upstairs and I would go in one bedroom and I would say, okay, you need to stop studying now. It is late. You've studied enough. Grades are not that important. You have got to get your sleep. So turn out the light and go to sleep. Shut the door, walk down the hall to another room and open the door and go, you're not studying? You need to study. Grades are important. This makes a difference in your life. You can miss a little sleep. It's okay, but you need to study. <laughs> All kids are different, aren't they? They can be born with the same parents and yet they just turn out really different. But one of the things that really surprised me as a mom is I had no idea how willing I would be to lay down my life for somebody else. 
I didn't realize how much you could love somebody and that you really wanted to take any pain in their life away from them. Mother's Day is hard for some people. It's not always like the Hallmark cards make it, is it? Not all moms are perfect in all ways, <laughs> the way all of the Mother's Day cards would make you think. It, it makes you believe that none of those mothers ever had the bad days or had the days with the mom voices. What are you doing? Why haven't you done that? Who left these towels here? All those things that come out from time to time. When my kids were little, I had four. And when they, they were little, I used to fantasize about getting in my car and just driving alone no noise nothing and i used to dream of having a condo like in arizona or new mexico anywhere where you didn't have to gather up small boots coats gloves everything and in my condo i would have antiques and china and rare books and all things that no children could touch and and i would wear white and i wouldn't have you know, handprints on my knees. I used to, when, whenever I take all four kids someplace, we had this technique where I would carry the baby and then different ones had different sides of me that they held on to so we could all walk together through a parking lot safely. So I ended up having a lot of hand marks on my clothes over the years. And I used to dream of wearing black and not having the shoulders bleached out from spit up. You know, I thought, oh, what that must be. But you know, the Target and the Tide commercials and all of those, they never show any of that. They never show the tough stuff of being a mom. They always have these perfect little moms and, you know, they squint their little faces and go, oh, it's stain. And then they do something and their stain's gone away and their life is perfect from then on. They don't show what it's like to have somebody throw up on you and poop on you in the same time. And, <laughs> and laying in bed at night trying to sleep, but you have little feet in your side because, you know, kids can never lay straight up and down in your bed. Once they get in your bed, they go completely sideways. And so they're kicking you all night and you wake up and you think, I really should put them back to bed, but I am just too tired. They're just gonna have to stay the way that they are. We don't see that in the commercials with all the perfect moms. My kids were very early talkers, what a surprise. And they had really large vocabularies at a young age. And so they loved to talk, all of them. And oftentimes they wouldn't notice that someone else was talking. So they would all be talking to me at the same time, totally oblivious to what anyone else was saying. And I remember one particular day I was fixing lunch for all four kids and I was thinking about Brent having lunch with a colleague in a restaurant somewhere. <laughs> but I wasn't bitter. And uh, I'm getting lunch ready, and, and three kids are looking at me, talking to me, and the baby is crying. And so it's like... And I remember turning at the kitchen sink and looking at them and going... Ah! <laughs> and there was this dead silence. <laughs> and then we all just started laughing. <laughs> it, was just, it was too much that day. <laughs> but our TV commercials don't show that. And they don't show the agony that we go through with our kids. They don't show what it's like when your middle schooler is rejected and hurt by the mean girls at school. But you know you can't talk to their parents because their moms are mean girls too. <laughs> and, and you talk to them and they'd be like, what? What's your problem? 
Nobody tells you that when your child is sobbing because a boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with them that your heart breaks too and that you cry right along with them. They don't tell you that you would rather go through rejection and heartache and pain and loss, anything, in order to spare your child that pain. And that's when we get a glimpse of the heart of God. That's when we see God because he loves us so much and we are his children. And when we hurt, he hurts and he is there for us and he loves us. You know, it's hard when you, when you talk about God and the attributes or mother of mothers and fathers because we always try to do that at Mother's Day and Father's Day um, because we have human parents and our human role models aren't always that great. And they don't always reflect God in all ways. None of us do because we're human. And for some of you, Mother's Day is really hard. Either because you desperately want to be a mom and you're not, or because you've lost someone, a child or a mother or a grandmother, or because you've blown it as a mom. You just feel like you've had too many rough days and you've blown it as a mom. Or maybe you had a mom that wasn't the kind of mom that you wanted. Your mom had some serious issues, and she couldn't be what you wanted her to be. And maybe, in fact, some ways she was damaging to you, and there was some, uh, some pain that was involved. So what do you do with Mother's Day when you have a flawed mom, when you have a mom that had a lot of issues and it impacted you? It's definitely hard to buy a card. Have you noticed that when you go in the Hallmark aisles, all of them are about perfect moms and everything that they did right? And sometimes it's hard to buy a card that's not lying. And so you stand there and you debate, should I get this? Well, this is what she wants to hear, but that's really not true. What do I do with this? And having worked with clients for years and years, and especially ones that are dealing with issues with their parents, I have decided to start my own line of greeting cards. <laughs> They're going to be bestsellers. Because most of the cards say things like, Mom, you've always been there for me, loving me and supporting me all along the way. Well, sometimes that's not true. So here's some of my new lines. I'll never forget my childhood and the influence you had on my life. I am who I am today because of you. <laughs> Mom, your legacy will live on for generations in our family. Or everything I learned about love and relationships, I learned from you. Now, let's be fair. Being a mom is a hard job. It's hard for all of us. And we're humans. And we all make mistakes. We all have our junk. When I talk with our mothers of preschoolers, our mops, moms, I just say, you know what? Guys, give yourself grace. You're doing the best that you can. Give yourself grace and, and walk on. It really is okay. I also recommend that you keep a journal and you document the stuff that's going on in your child's life so eventually when they go to a therapist, you can pull out the journal and go, okay, this is my side of the story, okay? They were being a real brat that day. You have no idea how rough the day was. <laughs> 
But you know, God is not limited by the kind of mom or the kind of dad that we have. God is bigger than that. He doesn't allow us to have a messed up life just because our parents had issues. 2 Peter 1.3 says his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Everything we need. That means everything a mom should or could have supplied in our lives. God is capable of supplying that for us. We don't have to depend on humans in order to have those needs met. We have a God who is willing and able to meet every one of those needs. God picked the home that you were to be brought up in. Sometimes that's hard to imagine. But every situation that we grew up in, there, there was treasure that he wanted us to take out and to use for the call that he had on our lives, and there was trash. And in some homes, there was a whole lot of trash. But God has treasure in every single one of your pasts that he wants to use in your life right now. You may have to dig through the trash. You may have to throw away a whole bunch of trash. You may need help of somebody else to dig through it. You may need the Holy Spirit. We all need the Holy Spirit to help point out what are the good things? What are the treasures that are there? What do you want to use in my life? But there's treasures in all of our lives. He doesn't just say, oops, I had a call on your life, but I accidentally put you in the wrong house. You know, that is not the heart of God. He's going to take all of those things and he's going to work them together for your good, for the very thing that he created you to do and the very thing he created you to be. As I was preparing uh, for this, I was thinking about the story of Joseph. Now, I have to be honest with you. I am frankly getting a little bit sick of Joseph. Um, We have Joseph in the Old Testament. We've used him a couple of times, several times, I think, in different um, messages that we've done. And it seems like I keep getting people sending me devotionals or coming across devotionals on the life of Joseph and what God meant for harm. I mean, what you meant for harm, God is going to use for my good. And the last three years, every time somebody says, I really felt like the Lord wants wants, uh, me to give you this scripture, it is always that scripture which has been wonderful, and it's been terrific, but I'm sick of it, and I'm ready to move on now. So when I was thinking about Joseph this week, I was thinking about Joseph's mother and Joseph's grandmother. I was thinking about the legacy that Joseph had in his own life. Now, bear with me because it's a little history, but stick with me. Joseph was the son of Jacob. Do you remember that? And Jacob was one of twins. It was Jacob and Esau. And Esau was born first. So he would have gotten his father's blessing. But Jacob and his mom, Rebecca, who would have been Joseph's grandmother, conspired and they decided to trick Isaac so that Jacob could get the blessing instead. So Joseph's grandmother and his father tricked his grandfather so that they could get the blessing. So we see some treachery and a little bit of deceit there. So... Jacob goes away from his family, and he meets Rachel, who is the love of his life. And he's so excited about marrying Rachel that he works seven years for her father to marry marry her. And then what happened? He got tricked, remember? And so his father-in-law gave him Leah, the older daughter, instead. 
he ends up getting Rachel, but he has to work another seven years. So he's tricked. He has to work another seven years. And we go on and we see the story of Rachel and Leah, his wives living together. Remember all the controversy between the two of them and all that back and forth? Then they finally leave. They're going away from their father. And what does Rachel do? She steals her father's household idols and then lies about it to him. So we see more deceit and we see more treachery that's going on. That is Joseph's mother. So then she goes on. She has another child, Benjamin, and she dies in childbirth. So here is little Joseph, Joseph of 12 brothers living in this big household that's had wives and concubines and all these different brothers. And it would be really nice to think, well, but in that time, they all lived together really happily and everybody looked out after each other. But that that isn't backed up in Scripture. Scripture says his brothers wanted to kill him. So we know it was a rough environment that he was raised in. He lost his mother. His only full-blood relative is a baby. And he has all these older brothers that hate him and want to kill him. So we see his dad had issues with deceit and lying. We see his mom had issues with deceit and lying. He had two grandparents we know of that had deceit and lying. And he has this challenging childhood before he sold into slavery. And yet, everything we see about him in Scripture appears that he is a very strong character, that he is very strong and he is very godly. How did that happen? How do you have that kind of legacy and those kind of family patterns and yet turn out to be such a godly person? Joseph made a choice. Joseph chose to rise, again, rise above circumstances. Joseph chose right, even when he could have chosen wrong in many situations. And we see it early on. It's not just something that he learned over the years because the scripture I talked about earlier, you know, what you meant for my harm, God used for my good. That was later on in life when he was a grown-up. We see good things in him when he is still young. In fact, immediately after he was sold into slavery, we see a good attitude. Genesis 39.1 says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of the Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So this is when he was sold into slavery immediately. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. 
How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to David day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Joseph already had a consciousness of God and a desire to serve God and to do what was right in his eyes, even though his family history was full of a whole lot of trash. We know the story of Joseph. He was faithful. He was rewarded in the end. Joseph made a choice. Somewhere in his life, he saw, either in his parents, because we're all multidimensional people, we do good and we do bad, or in people around him, he saw good. He saw people that were following God, and he chose that to be his lifestyle instead of treachery, instead of deceit. We don't have to be controlled by the negative patterns of our family. We have a choice to follow God, to allow him to heal us from some of the junk that is there. We don't have to have perfect parents. We don't even have to have good parents. And you know what? We don't have to be perfect parents. We do the best that we can, but we know that God is bigger than that. And God has the ability to restore, to heal, and to make new. Do you have some hurts from your past? Are there some things there that are lacking? Those things that it's like, I know this is because my parent wasn't this, or I didn't have a dad, or I didn't have that. God is big enough to come in and restore it. Jesus took all the pain and agony and dysfunction and negative patterns. He took all that pain, and he defeated it. He defeated sin and death. And so we have new life in him, and we can trust him with those things in our lives. We don't have to be bound by them. He can take our stuff and make it beautiful. We just sang about he makes beautiful things. Whatever the dust in your life, whatever the dirt in your life, he makes beautiful things out of the dust, and we can trust him. We don't have to spend years looking for a mother figure or looking for a father figure or just coming along that right person that's going to heal us. We can let God heal us from that stuff. We can let him make us new. Now, let's take a look at some wonderful examples of mothers in Scripture. Since I'm about to launch my last one out of the nest, my last one is graduating from high school in two weeks. Yes, the latest school, late, longest school in this year. We're grateful. Um, and then I have another one, another son getting married in two months. I began to look for a lot of mothers that could gracefully let go of their children, that could cut the apron strings in the way that they needed to. I could have plans for everyone to live in the cul-de-sac that I live in, but they don't all want to do that. Um, when I do parenting seminars, I talk a lot about the, the V of parenting. When our kids are little, we make their decisions for them. We pretty much control their life. That's why it's V. They have very few choices down there. So you don't say to your two-year-old, hopefully, so what time are you planning on going to bed tonight, hon? Or you don't say, oh, 
if you want to brush your teeth or not, it's up to you. You know, you can have the natural consequences of that. We don't allow our two-year-olds to have many choices at all in their lives. We pretty much run their lives. But if we're going to be healthy parents and raise children to be healthy adults, which is our goal, we want them to be healthy adults independent of us, then we gradually release the control and allow them to take on more responsibility and more decision-making in their lives so that they can learn from the consequences of their actions. I tell people I'd rather have your sixth grader fail algebra than to fail it when he's at OSU or OU. And so we want them to take on, or ORU, what? Oh. or whatever college that I'd not represent well. Um, but... <laughs> We, we want to allow them, not make them, but allow them to make some mistakes when they're living at home in a safe environment than to control them too much until they get out. So every year I get, and it is no one in this room, okay, but every year in all my years of practice, I private practice as a therapist, I get um, parents of a college freshman right after grades come out after the freshman year. Now, this was a child that did well in high school, great kid, went off to college, enrolled in college, the parents paid for college, but when the grades come out, they did not get any credit for any of the classes that they took in college. A 0.0 would be their GPA. So the parents come in and they go, how could this happen? How could my great student fail out of every single class that they took in college? What was happening? And the first question I usually ask them is, the day they left for college, did you wake him up in the morning or did he wake up by an alarm? And usually the mom will smile and go, well, we have this thing that I've always done over the years, and I just kind of go in and scratch his back and say, get up, you have 10 more minutes, okay, you better get up now. <laughs> okay. If your child is going to college and you're still waking him up to make sure he's going to college, if your child is a senior in high school and you are hunting down the permission slip for the senior class trip and signing it and making sure they sign it and handing it to them in their backpack to get them to take it to school, if you know when their math exam is their senior year of high school and you're telling them you have to set aside this much time to study for your math exam, they probably don't have the idea that this is their life and not yours. And so what happens is that child who the parents have done such a busy job of keeping track of everything that's going on in their lives and making sure that everything goes well for them, they get to college and don't have anyone to wake them up in the morning or to tell them to study for that test. And we don't do them a favor. We do them a favor by allowing them to have the natural consequences of their actions and learning from those at a young age. Now, that's hard. It's hard to let go of our kids. We want to hold on to them. We want everything to go great for them. And this is going to sound really depressing, in case you're not yet. Um, but from the moment of conception... 
our children are growing away from us. Because as each organ develops, they are growing more and more independent. And then when they're born, they have the nerve to breathe on their own. (laughs) Then they start walking. Then they start talking. Then they start feeding themselves. And they're growing independent of us. And we have to learn how to gracefully allow them to do the very thing that God called them to do. We love them. We support them, but we have to let them be who they're supposed to be. Do you remember Hannah in scripture? Hannah is the one, anybody that struggled with infertility knows about Hannah because she struggled and struggled and she prayed and she went to the temple and she asked the Lord for a child. And she said, God, if you will just give me a child, I will give him back to you. And God blessed her with a child. And, And she went to the temple and she spoke these words. As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I've asked of him. Now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given to the Lord. Now, it's one thing to dedicate your child to the Lord. We all do that. But Hannah had to leave him there. She said she would give him to the Lord to serve in the temple. She had to walk away and leave him there. We don't know how old he was. It says after he was weaned, so we're not sure, but we're pretty sure it's a very young age. I think I would have been making some deals, you know. Leave him there, I will, as soon as he's ready, which is going to be 10, 12, 15, 18, 27. Okay, 40, 40. I think he would be ready at 40. I think I could let him go then. But scripture tells us that he, she left him at a very young age. First uh, Samuel 12, 19 say, or 2, 19 says, Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. One time a year she went to see him and she made him a little robe. Can you imagine how hard that would have been? And then to make it even harder... Eli, the priest that was really raising Samuel and teaching him to hear God's voice, had sons that were evil. And it said they did wicked things in the sight of the Lord. So not only do I have to leave my son here to be raised by somebody else, there are mean, evil, older boys that are there. How hard would that be? And yet that's exactly what God wanted to use in Samuel's life to help him learn and grow. Because it says that Eli taught Samuel to hear the voice of the Lord and to speak the prophetic word that he had. And and Samuel was bold to speak the words that the Lord told him to. In 1 Samuel 3.19, it says, The Lord was with Samuel as he grew, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. His mother let go, and God used him mightily. It was part of God's plan for his life. But she had to be willing to trust God with her little boy. What about Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother? How hard would that be? They waited all these years to have a child. They'd given up on having a child. And then late in their life, they have this miraculous son. Wouldn't it be easy to hold on to him? 
really, John, you have to go live in a cave? You can't stay near your mother? And why do you dress like that? The other boys in the neighborhood don't dress like that. (laughs) I mean, it would be tempting to hang on. But she knew that God had a call on his life, and she had to let him go to do what God called him to do. Of course, Mary is the hardest story of all, aside from the whole birth and all the misunderstanding that went with that. Can you imagine what it was like to have all the controversy, all the misunderstanding, all the horrible things that were said, and then the betrayal, and then to watch her son crucified? I can't even imagine the pain that she went through. And yet, because of that, beautiful things have happened in the world, the greatest thing ever, and have happened in our own lives. Our own lives have been transformed because she was willing to let go. God knows what he's doing with our kids' lives. It may not feel like it sometimes, and it may not look like it sometimes, but God knows what he's doing. And the greatest comfort I have as a mom is to know that God loves my kids more than me. That is so hard for me to imagine that anyone could love my children more than I do. But God loves them more, and he has the ability to speak into their lives, to guide them, to direct them, to orchestrate their circumstances. And he knows what he's doing. He is big enough to take care of your children. He's big enough to take care of your life. He's big enough to take care of your wounds from your past. So as we go today, I want you to think about, do I trust him with all these things? Do I trust him with my wounds, my lacks? Do I believe he's big enough to take care of that? Do I believe he's big enough to take care of my business? or my house, or my kids, anything in my life. And then we have to ask ourselves, and you'll hear me say this over and over again, do I believe that God is good? Because he is. He is all good. And he has good for your life, and he has good for your kid's life. Our job is to trust him. People will disappoint us. But God, we can take with blind faith and say, I trust you with everything because you're able and you're good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being big enough for any circumstance that we encounter. No matter what our minds think, when we think I can't get my brain around this, you're already there. You've already provided. You've already healed. You're already ahead of us planning the future. And so, Lord, we give our lives, our hearts, our families, our kids, our mothers, everything to you. And we trust in your goodness and we trust in your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. The last two services, I had people that didn't know he was my son. So, this is my son. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, that's my mom. (laughs) Let's all stand together. Um, Been really blessed just to see uh, the reflection of God's heart in my mom over the years. And uh, when I think about my mom, I think about those things that remain that Paul says faith, hope, and love. 
those are the things that she really shows in, in my life. And um, just encourage you today, uh, the mothers in your life, families, that we would get around them and support them and encourage them, especially today, but always, and really just celebrate them right today. And really think about, maybe we take a few minutes today and think about um, those places where we do see God's heart. Uh, we're all broken. We all have, um, we're all flawed human beings, but kind of those places that, that poke through of God's faith, hope, and love in their lives. Um, as we go today, let's uh, lift our voices and sing. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. As you go today, as always, we want to remind you of God's blessing for your life. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his beautiful face shine on you. May he be gracious to you. May you be guided and formed by his grace. May he turn his countenance towards you so that you know you're not in this life alone. And may he give you peace, a peace that passes all of your understanding or comprehension. May it guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Go in peace today. If you need prayer for anything, our prayer team will be here at the front. would love to pray with you. Happy Mother's Day. Have a good one.